Hello, friends, and welcome to More Than Gold, a podcast that rejoices in three very important truths. You are precious. You are a value. You are worth more than gold. I'm Sonia DeClerc, and I'm your host for the show. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for joining in. I'm giving the biggest, most heartfelt welcome to all of you listening today. I hope and pray that the message that I share with you will not only fill your cup and inspire you to reach for new heights in your life, but to help those around you reach for greater heights in their lives too. Women, we are a force to be reckoned with, and when we unite in solidarity, in a spirit of sisterhood, watch out. We can do anything. International Women's Day is Tuesday, March 8th, and I've got a few things that have been on my mind that I want to share with you regarding this special day. So listen up. I'm going to delve into a little bit of women's history in this episode. If history, politics, economics, and social studies are not your thing, please hear me out. In order to understand who we are, how far we have come, and how far we have yet to go, we must know some key historical points and events. Let me begin by addressing women's suffrage in Canada. Being a girl of the prairies, I am proud to say that the women's right to vote originated in the prairie provinces. In 1916, the right of women to vote in political elections was secured by women in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. That's right. To all my fellow Prairie Girls listening right now, we've got some pretty inspirational women who have gone before us. Let's not only learn from them, but honor their courageous work and effort as we live each day by precept and by example. We have not come this far to only come this far. We've got work to do. Now, Towards the end of 1922, full suffrage was granted to white and black women. Yet, deplorably, Asian and Indigenous women were excluded from this most basic of rights and freedoms. It wasn't until after World War II that Asian women in Canada were given the right to vote in 1948. And it outrageously took until 1960 for First Nations women to at long last be given the right to vote without the unjust prerequisite demanding that treaty status be given up in order to vote. To my First Nation sisters, thank you. Thank you for your bravery, your courage, your patience, and your resilience. You have faced and continue to face great social injustice. And we, your sisters, see you. We hear you. We cry with you. We love you, and we want to see change. The time for change is now. So how does change happen? Let me share with you some inspirational mottos from the women's suffrage movement in Canada over 100 years ago. 
Listen and feel if any of these words resonate with you. Canada's daughters should be free. No sex in citizenship. Women are half the people. Woman, man's equal. What thoughts and feelings did you experience as you heard those words? Did those words maybe evoke feelings of shock and disbelief? Those statements, though revolutionary at the time, are perhaps taken for granted by us today. Perhaps the strides that have been made in an issue as seemingly simple as the right to vote is not on the forefront of our minds. We cannot allow ourselves to ever become complacent and take our rights and freedoms for granted. Far too many brave sisters before us have fought tooth and nail to get us to the point where we are today. Let's continue that fight with the same zeal and energy for our sisters of today and tomorrow. Perhaps a sharp stab of hurt was felt as you try to envision what life would have been like for our sisters who lived in a day and time when the basic rights that we enjoy today had to be fought and pled for. Perhaps your heart is hurting right now as you realize that there are women in our very own community who, though legally have rights and freedoms afforded to them, are prevented from truly benefiting from and exercising these rights and freedoms because they are affected by issues such as abuse, addiction, poverty, gender inequality, low self-esteem, racial inequality, and many other injustices that plague our society. If your heart is hurting, that, my friend, is a good sign. That means that you care. And If you care, you can and will bring about change. I'm going to delve back into the history component again, this time as it relates to our sisters in the United States. This is a snapshot of what their suffrage movement looked like. The Seneca Falls Convention of 1848 is seen by many as the official start of the suffrage movement. But this view overly simplifies the highly complex origins and efforts of so many brave women who who paved the way for a convention such as this to be held in the first place. So let's talk a little bit about the Seneca Falls Convention. I'm going to share some information that I found on Wikipedia. I'm going to share some information that I found on Wikipedia that nicely summarizes this event. The Seneca Falls Convention was the first women's rights convention. It advertised itself as a convention to discuss the social, civil, and religious condition and rights of women. Held in the Wesleyan Chapel of the town of Seneca Falls, New York, it spanned two days over July 19th through the 20th in 1948. Attracting widespread attention, it was soon followed by other women's rights conventions. A heated debate sprang up regarding women's right to vote. 
The convention was seen by some of its contemporaries as one important step among many others in the continuing effort by women to gain for themselves a greater proportion of social, civil, and moral rights. While it was viewed by others as a revolutionary beginning to the struggle by women for complete equality with men. The Convention's Declaration of Sentiments became the single most important factor in spreading news of the women's right movement around the country in 1848 and into the future. According to Judith Wellman, a historian of the Convention, by the time of the National Women's Rights Convention of 1851, the issue of women's rights to vote had become a central tenet of the United States women's rights movement. These conventions became annual events until the outbreak of the American Civil War in 1861. Now, the next information that I'm going to share with you is from Britannica, and uh, it explains exactly what the Declaration of Sentiments is. The Declaration of Sentiments is a document outlining the rights that American women should be entitled to as a citizen that emerged from the Seneca Falls Convention in New York in July 1848. The Declaration of Sentiments, written primarily by Elizabeth Cady Stanton, was based on the Declaration of Independence to parallel the struggles of the Founding Fathers with those of the women's movement. As one of the first statements of the political and social repression of American women, the Declaration of Sentiments met with significant hostility upon its publication and with the Seneca Falls Convention marked the start of the women's rights movement in the United States. The Declaration of Sentiments begins by asserting the equality of all men and women and reiterates that both genders are endowed with inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It argues that women are oppressed by the government and the patriarchal society of which they are a part. The text then lists 16 facts illustrating the extent of this oppression, including the lack of women's suffrage, participation, and representation in the government, women's lack of property rights in marriage, inequality in divorce law, and inequality in education and employment opportunities. The document insists that women be viewed as full citizens of the United States and be granted all the same rights and privileges that were granted to men. End quote. I have spoken from the text of history, and now I'm going to speak from the heart in regards to where we are today. Today, we are experiencing a great many parallels to what our brave sisters one century ago experienced. Let's be mindful of their experiences. Let's learn from their experiences. Let's grow from their experiences. And most importantly, let's ignite the winds of change as we follow in their example. This can be done in our unique and individualized ways, but also as a sisterhood. There is strength in numbers. And sisters, we are many. Just over 100 years ago, 
the Spanish influenza epidemic killed approximately 30 million people. As of today, Friday, March 4, 2022, the World Health Organization has the statistics recorded that there have been 440,807,756 confirmed cases of COVID-19, including 5,978,096 deaths. Thank you to our amazing healthcare professionals and all who have worked the front lines in any capacity during this pandemic. Without your selfless service, those statistics would without a doubt be even more devastating than they already are. The reason for referencing the Spanish influenza and the COVID-19 pandemic was not to dwell on pain and suffering, but to show that following great trial, tribulation, and experiencing really, really hard things, we grow and flourish in ways we otherwise would not have. My friends, we are entering the beginning of an exhilarating growth phase. Get ready and leave no sister behind. I'm going to jump back in history again to show some additional parallels. Let's take a look at the Roaring Twenties and what life looked like a century ago. The Roaring Twenties saw a surging economy creating an era of mass consumerism. It was a period of dramatic social and political change. When I mention the Roaring Twenties, the image probably comes to mind of a young woman sporting a bobbed haircut, cigarette in hand, dancing and celebrating to live jazz. But sources of social tension were high during the 1920s. With the Prohibition era and the anti-communist Red Scare. In Western society, the 1920s was a period that retaliated against the trauma inflicted by World War I and the 1918 flu epidemic. Creativity and innovation flourished. Art, music, fashion, politics, science, and technology reached new heights. Are you seeing any relevant parallels, my friends, in regards to what is happening right now in our world today? I want to share a quote with you by Nicholas A. Christakis, a Greek-American sociologist and physician known for his research on social networks and on the socioeconomic, biosocial, and evolutionary determinants of behavior, health, and longevity. He is the Sterling Professor of Social and Natural Science at Yale University, where he directs the Human Nature Lab. He offers this valuable insight and wisdom. When people are cooped up at home and have a lot of time on their hands, they'll think about what's important in their lives and what's important in their societies. We see this search for meaning in the form of political developments in our society. The Black Lives Matter protests were a response to decades of racialized policing in our society. But in addition, 
I think it was a search for meaning. End quote. We have had a great deal of time to think, to reflect, to determine what is truly meaningful to us in our lives. And if you haven't had that time to reflect, I invite you to do so now. We've been through some hard things. There are hard things ahead of us. But if we focus on what is of value and importance in our lives, we can face head-on whatever lies ahead. Sisters, let's not face this alone. Let's walk hand in hand, side by side, together on this road of life. And let's look for the ones who are struggling. And let's help. There is a great need for help right now. My heart, and I'm sure the hearts of all of you listening, have been aching for all those in Ukraine. What is going on right now should not ever happen, but it's happening. And we cannot turn a blind eye to the suffering of our fellow brothers and sisters. We have come so far to have a voice. Let's not lose sight of the power of that voice. At times, we may feel like there is nothing we can do, that the problem is greater than the solution. But when you have those thoughts, remember the power of your voice. When you raise your voice, when others raise their voice, When we stand for something, that is when change occurs. So let's stand for something. Let's stand together and let's raise our voices. No to war. No to injustice. No to hurt and pain. This International Women's Day is a special one. We are at a very unique point in history. We have the privilege and opportunity to be able to look back in the history books, to learn from those who have gone before us through social media, the news. We are not blind to what is happening in our world. And with that comes new responsibility. Support and help wherever and however you can. On this International Women's Day, I express my utmost love for each and every sister out there, wherever you are in the world. I am sending you all of my love and support. And with that love and support, I extend a challenge. And that challenge is to stand for something, to raise your voice, especially in regards to the war in Ukraine.
whether this looks like a donation, a post on social media, or whatever your heart tells you is appropriate for you. Follow that inspiration. Have the courage to raise your voice. You will be heard. You matter and you make a difference. I'm going to leave today with the message that I always share. That you, my friend, are precious. You are a value. You are worth more than gold. All my love, Sonia. If you like this episode and are interested in hearing more, subscribe to More Than Gold on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you are listening, and give us a five-star review. As always, a special thank you to Devon Music Studios for providing the perfect atmosphere for meaningful dialogue to be shared. 